Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast on the internet. We got a special guest tonight. Um, Tyler's back. Jake's here, and we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, you may remember him uh, from previous episodes, uh, Pat. L. Pat L's here. Thank you for taking the time, Pat. My pleasure, guys. My pleasure. I actually uh, got I got roasted on Twitter uh, by many, many people, and one person actually requested that I take co-host out of my my Twitter <laughs> bio and put special guest. Oh, <laughs> I almost did it, Pat. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something right here. I'm going to defend you. Okay. Okay. I'm going to defend you here because Pete gets a pass. Because his full-time job is covering hockey. Yep. And then everyone just thinks that Pat just sits around spanking his dick in, in the corner of a room when at the end of the day, I mean, he owns three bars and he's working on acquiring two more. Oh, yeah. Two more. And that takes time. Uh, that is something that takes a lot of effort and time and dedication. And listen... I know people are being mean to you, Pat, but you have to take it as a compliment that people are pissed that, that you're, you're not around to do the podcast. I mean, it's because they like you. No, listen, I hear you. I, I, I hear you loud and clear, Carabas Pod fans. Uh, I'm making a little bit of an effort here to be here tonight. Listen, mm-hmm. we're, 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 we're putting things more in the calendar so mm-hmm. that uh, when, when dinners come up, if they're not of a huge importance, I don't double book myself and then just take the dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, we're, we're, we're adjusting just like anyone does. Right, and, and this is where we're at right now in in the in the Pat Light saga with the Krabs Pod. So, do you have do you have like a business update? Like, are you close to acquiring even more bars, which would take more time working on the podcast? Funny enough, I actually just uh, got propositioned. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, I just got asked if I would be interested in possibly buying a chain of restaurants from from Boston, ooh, ooh all the way down to DC. But apparently their headquarters are like that. that where it's where they started was Boston. Can you say the name of it? Uh, I, sh- I, I was told the name of it. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. But even if I could remember business. it, I wouldn't tell you. It. You wouldn't tell me? No. How Can much you money describe? do you make a year? <laughs> what are we, a minute and a half in? How much, uh, how much money did you make last year total? <laughs> um, I don't remember. Seven figures. I don't remember. I think I think it's seven figures. Well, we'll listen. We'll leave it up to the people to, to figure it out. Okay. Plenty Tyler, of people are had, guessing. Tyler, you had a question. Uh yeah. What kind of food is this restaurant that you'll be serving? Hmm. I do know the answer. Okay. Will it give it away? Is it like one of those things? See, I'm not a hundred percent sure if it would give give it away because I'm not super familiar with it. And if it's super well known in the Boston area, it it's it's not just like bar food. So like it wouldn't I can't it's not just like super general. So I'll give you that. But I'm not sure if it'll give away so I won't say. Okay. okay. I'm excited to go to a Pat Light chain restaurant in the That's Boston possible. area. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not going to give it away, but it's it's hamburgers made by uh, the guy that was in that Boston Marathon movie from Boston. Mm-hmm. Not to give it away. Not to give it away, though. Mm. Mm-hmm. Got it. You know what so, I decided to do, Jared? I think you'd appreciate that? this. Sure. And Tyler, too, since he's a stack guy. Jake would appreciate it, too, because he's nice. But I've decided if I actually do go and buy 100 bars across the country, I was thinking that at least one item on every menu will be priced at $11.34. So I thought you were going to say that the, they would be named after us. Um, yeah. That's what a good said, friend would do. Yeah. So then you said $11.34, which, I mean, what is that? Like Rafael Devers and Dave Ortiz? I don't get it. No, it's my career array. <laughs> Got it. You get points for that. I sh- could, should do my Red Sox one. Margins would be fantastic. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, you should come up with some sort of cocktail that's like fucking twenty three ninety eight or whatever the <laughs> fuck it is. Give him a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. But hey, listen. We're happy that you're here. The listeners are happy that you're here. Um, you have a home here whenever, whenever you want it. Whenever you're, whenever you're, uh, you're not busy buying bars, running bars, and, and doing that whole thing, we're, we're happy to see your face. Listen, happy to be here. And we're, we're particularly happy to see you after a Red Sox sweep, which I believe... Did everyone predict a sweep or no? Uh, I believe that is true. Everyone predicted a sweep, and that's exactly what one. we got. Um, I, I got a couple takes about that sweep in particular, because all too often... If the Red Sox play a bad team, you hear, well, you, you can't learn anything from a sweep of a really bad team. If you lose a game, you lose two games, or God forbid you get swept, well, that's bad news. But you can't, you can't learn anything from a sweep. I don't necessarily believe that. I think we learned a few things over the course of the series. And uh, I think one of the, the main things that we learned here, especially tonight, is that... Uh, the Woo Sox are good enough to play in the MLB. They are. Like that was a that was a Woo Sox win tonight. Uh, you saw I, you saw the major league debut of Jeter Downs. You had Ref Snyder hitting a two run homer. I mean, th- those were the fucking Woo Sox out there, baby. I, I think you could say that for the whole series beyond mm-hmm. tonight. John mm-hmm. Schreiber, one of the main pieces on your team. This guy wasn't on your roster on opening day. Franchi, three for four in that first game of the series. Winkowski. Josh Winkowski, like this is what depth does. And like, it makes me so happy to see, you know, listen, it's the Detroit Tigers. No one's going crazy here. Right. But what the Red Sox have done this year is similar to what we've looked at the Dodgers and looked at the Rays. It was like, whenever injuries piled up, they always had someone step up. It, you know, they would call guys, whether some of them were prospects, a la, you know, Jaron Duran, uh, or whether it was the Dodgers and them finding guys like Justin Turner over the years and Max Muncy that became huge pieces. Like the Red Sox have done with, you know, the Nick Pavettas of the world, the Garrett Whitlocks, a guy who wasn't even, you know, protected on a 40 man by the Yankees. Great move on their part. Uh, you're seeing what it's like to have depth in your organization when you work the margins like that and you let these guys have an opportunity. It doesn't matter if Kike Hernandez gets hurt and you need to fill a patch for a while. Nate Evaldi goes down. Garrett Whitlock goes down. It felt like for years when the Red Sox had injuries, we just sat there and crossed our fingers and panicked. These guys are not only filling holes, they're playing parts in these wins. Speaking of filling holes, Pat. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> how's Sandra doing? Mm. Sandra's great. Yeah. You guys are still in yeah. good we have an update? Well, great terms. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't end things on bad terms. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a man of faith. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm a fan of mm-hmm. faith. And yeah. I always like, regardless of, you know, what may or may not have transpired, I'm, I'm always a guy that's going to sit there and be like, listen, you know, you were, you were pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things didn't work out. But we all move on. We all live happily ever after. And a lot of people, there was, uh, I posted TikTok today. You know, you hear a girl in the background. A lot of people were asking if that was Sandra. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people were asking that. A lot of people. Uh, Pat, just, I don't know if you heard okay. that Jared made Sandra come to the finals. Yeah, she came to the finals. <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people were just like, thought that it was weird that we kind of got close while you guys were still dating and now we're even closer now, but I, 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 we're just friends. Yeah. Listen, it is, it is what it is. Like you guys were just great friends while we were dating and now mm-hmm. you're better friends. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that's not weird at all. No, no. We hang out a lot. Yeah. And, um, but we just have a lot of similar interests is really yeah, all it like is. People, people don't realize like when, we, when me and Sandra were like really, really dating on the verge of marrying, <laughs> like she would say, hey, listen, Pat, thanks for dinner. Really appreciate that. Head over to Jared's apartment now. <laughs> And we're just going to watch some movies and, yeah. you know, we're just friends. You know us. So mm-hmm. you two rascals would go watch your movies. You yeah. know, I would I would go off to bed. So, um, you know, people just don't realize the dynamic that you guys have. Right. Um, and that, that's really all there is to it. Right. It's a bond that I, I don't know. I feel like people just don't get it unless you're in it. And boy, am I fucking in it. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you understanding. I didn't want it to be weird, but yeah. No, we wouldn't want that to be it never would be between us. We understand no, the we dynamic and the and the very strong friendship that you guys have, mm-hmm. uh, and you guys just do a lot a lot of things together. That's right? All. Yeah, we just you know that's what happens when you have a lot of things in common. You end up doing a lot of a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um. So the one thing I did want to mention about this Tiger series, as we're not gonna we're not gonna do the stop and shop look ahead early. We never do that. But I will say this. I'm excited to get excited. While you can't really, you know, get... You're not going to get up for a Tiger series when they're that bad. It's more of a formality. This was a formality series. You have to win these games. And they won all of them. That's great. You can be happy that the Red Sox won all these games. But are you excited? I think there's a giddiness to getting closer to June 28th. There's a underlying giddiness of the Red Sox. We like where this team's at. They're playing really good ball. We trust Alex Cora, etc. Um, but you're not, you know, Ruff Snyder hits a two-run home run. You're not like, fuck yeah, let's fucking go. It's like, it's the Tigers, okay? So now you're coming into this stretch here where you're going to be playing some good teams. You're going to be playing some good teams that are ahead of you in the standings. You're going to be playing some teams that are close by you, just beneath you in the standings. Uh, and you're going to be playing some teams that aren't necessarily close to you in the standings, but they, they're, they're really good too. And it's, it's a measuring stick series, a uh, few series. Um, so that's what I'm excited about. And for whatever reason, I don't really feel that against the St. Louis Cardinals. Maybe it was because they're in the National League, so you're not really chasing them and they're not chasing you. It was a good benchmark to kind of be like, all right, yeah, we took two out of three from a, from a first place team. But now, now we're about to enter the gauntlet. And uh, if you haven't looked at the schedule, again, this is, we're not breaking down the Guardian series, but it is kind of time to talk about this, this gauntlet 
that the Red Sox are about to embark on because it's time. You got the off day. If you're listening to this podcast on Thursday, Red Sox are not playing tonight. Uh, you got the Guardians for three in Cleveland. You got the Jays for three in Toronto. You come up for a little bit of air. Three in Chicago against the Cubs. Jake and I will be there. Uh, you have Then you come home. Then you got three against the Rays. Four against the Yankees. Then you go to Tampa for four more against the Rays. And then you finish the first half of the season with three in the Bronx. So I think it was Red Sox stats put out the schedule. Um, I think it was after maybe the, the White Sox series. And he said, or she, we don't know. Um, this is the season right here. Like These are the games that you absolutely have to win so you can get back in it. We were still chasing 500 at that point. The Red Sox are a season high seven games above 500 now? Eight. Eight games above 500, Tyler. 39 and 31, right? Eight games above 500. So it was five, five against the Orioles, two against the Reds, three against the A's, four against the Angels, three against the Mariners, three against the A's, three against the Cardinals, and then you just finished with three against the Tigers. That was the... Uh, Bizarro World Gauntlet, where you played a lot of shit teams and you had an opportunity to go on a run, get to 500, and then get beyond 500. And the Red Sox did exactly that. And now it's a different kind of gauntlet. And I don't know, I've talked to some Red Sox fans that are like, well, you know, it was fun while it lasted, you know, all that winning. It was against dog shit teams. And it's like, all right, but. How'd they look against the Cardinals? Did you like that? And I, I was on the baseball hour with Maz tonight. And Maz brought up some points about the bullpen and how you know, some games were closer than they needed to be. Is, is that a factual statement? Sure. But does that tell the whole story? No. I think if you look at the box score, you would say, well, man, those were some, some nail biters. They really weren't. You fucking had... Uh, <laughs> I hate that this became his nickname because I, I like him. Um, but dipshit Danish... <laughs> You gotta you hand him a six one lead, it becomes a six five game. Then you gotta go to your closer who comes in and has a save opportunity there and he, he nails it down. Um it, it shouldn't have been as close. I mean, if that's a playoff game, you probably win that game six one still. You probably bring in Tanner Houck for, for a six one lead, whatever. Uh so and yeah, you, had, I, and you had Davis also have a blow up in that series as well yep. in the ninth inning. But I think the big thing about this bullpen is the roles have defined themselves. When you last went through these AL East teams. Let's be real. 95% of Red Sox fans couldn't tell you who John Schreiber was. They had no clue. You know, he was mm-hmm. sitting in AAA. He was a guy trying to figure it out. We're seeing now the guys hitting 97 in games. Talk about being an absolute freak. Shout out the Red Sox pitching lab. Uh, I don't know what the hell they're cooking down there, but it's something serious. Tanner Houck, we didn't know what his role was going to be. You now have a guy that you look at in the ninth inning. Is it your prototypical closer all the time? No, we know usage is a little weird, but they're willing to go back-to-back days. It just means he's going to get two days off. But the bullpen has started to define itself. I think last time you were facing a lot of these teams, you were nowhere near that. You know, a lot of the guys, Garrett Whitlock was working, you know, into the rotation at the bullpen at certain points during that stretch as well. Um, Matt Strom, it seems like the Red Sox have kind of found their pocket for him. You know, depending on the day, they kind of mix and match him with Schreiber. Sometimes it's an inning earlier. Ryan Brazier seems to have rediscovered something. You know, huge two innings the other night that I don't think enough people gave him really any credit for to get you through the sixth and the seventh when your bullpen was short. 
this bullpen is in a lot different place than it was at that time. And that doesn't include Josh Taylor, who going through his rehab at Worcester now, you know, but I think there's also fair concerns about Evaldi and looks like Whitlock will be back, you know, possibly in Cleveland or right after Valdi, not so much. Yeah. The uh, Josh Taylor update, the velo wasn't crazy. I think he was throwing like 92 or whatever it was. Yeah, 92 to 94, I think was as high as he got. Yeah. Last Wednesday, I ran into him on the street, just walking down the street around here. And uh, I think he's like walking his dog or something. And I was like, bro, when are you coming back? He's like, soon. Boom. There he goes. Back out there rehabbing. I think the target is probably that homestand after the Cubs series is the target for Josh Taylor to come back. I don't know. I mean, you're going to have some decisions too. I mean, with, uh, with Chris Sale coming back and we'll get to that too. Chris Sale uh, struck out Wander in a little rehab one inning. I'll take it. I'll take that all day. Uh, Chris Sale's rehabbing. You got Whitlock's going to come back. Um, you're going to have a lot of uh, help. And I, and I hope... I don't remember who I had this conversation with. I'm on too many fucking shows. But it was more along the lines of like, hey, if the Red Sox position, the trade deadline is like, well, we're essentially, we're getting Chris Sale, we're getting Taylor. It's like we're getting these relievers and starters and Evaldi and Whitlock. We're getting them all for free. We don't have to trade for anything. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. But you're going to need some reinforcements in that bullpen. And I don't necessarily look at the bullpen and say this is a shitty bullpen. You got a lot of arms in there that you can depend on somewhat, mostly. Uh, but in terms of the back end, and what I loved about the middle game in this Tiger series, it, and I commend Alex Cora for this all the time, Alex Cora, don't give no fucks about no save statistic. And I want to ask Pat about this once I make the point. But he goes to Strom for the first two outs, and he, he gives up the homer, but whatever. It was meaningless. Gives up the homer, gets two outs, and then he goes to Schreiber. It's like, all right, let's get a different look from the right side to get that final out. And then Schreiber gets the save. Matt Strom enters the ninth inning in a save situation, and he has the chance to get the, the save there for, for a clean inning. And Alex Gore is like, all right, well, we like, we like Schreiber here for the last out. Goes to him, and then that's the ball game. So while Tanner Houck has sort of morphed into this closer role where he is kind of getting the traditional save opportunities, when it's not Houck, Alex Cora is mixing and matching however he sees fit. And so far, it's worked. So far, it's worked. Like, this is a team that's blown how many saves? 12, 13, something like that? It's a lot. But now, uh, you have this new formula where it's like, all right, we're going to try out Tanner Houck as more of a traditional closer type guy. And we saw, I forget which series it was, um, that he got the save in the first game, and then they needed him in the second game, but they made the decision before the game that he wasn't going to be available. And I think that's when Hansel Robles blew the ninth. Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. A um, couple weekends back, Hansel Robles blows that game. That was the last blown save, I believe. Uh, but that was because they made the decision before the game. Like, hey, we're not, we're not going back-to-back games here with Hauk. We're not going to mess with that. And he ended up getting the save in the final game. But you really needed him in that, in that middle game, too. So that's where you get the mixing and matching. And it would be nice, I guess, to have a more dependable guy. Because I know... I know <laughs> Uh, Red Sox fans' frustration here with Jake Diekman. And I got a text from uh, our pal Coley saying that's going to be really 
tense in the postseason is like, hey, it's a three-two ball game. Here comes Deekman. It's like, all right, well, how many, how many walks are we looking at here? Because and it's it's from my perspective, it's more of a compliment to Deekman because his slider has so much fucking break on it that it's hard to control. I get it. It's nasty. It's it's borderline unhittable, but it's also incredibly uncontrollable. Um, so my question for you, Pat, you were, you were a Boris guy. It's a podcast. You, you got to say yes verbally. Yes. Okay. You were a Boris guy. And say you're, say you're in that bullpen. It's your second, third year in the league. You're pre-arb. Say you're a pre-arb guy. You've got some dirt under your spikes. And you're throwing the ball really well. And there's no defined closer. And you know, especially with Boris, going into arbitration, potentially going into free agency, saves equals dollars. I know that guys are going to say the right thing and they're going to be like, hey, whenever Skip needs me, that's, that's where I am. If you were throwing the ball well enough to be named the closer, would you be frustrated? Say, say the same thing's happening situation-wise with the team. You're winning ball games. You're back in it. They've won 16 out of 20 in the month of June. But you're throwing the ball well. And you go out there, you record the first two outs of the ninth. Here, here comes Skip to, to go get a, a lefty. Say the, the opposite, you're righty. Coming to get the lefty for the last out, you just got a save taken away from you. Are you pissed about that or is it just about the win? It's probably just about the win because saves equal dollars, but they only equal dollars in kind of a bigger way than a couple saves here and there. Um, although you can, and Scott would probably do a very good job of arguing this, that he's shown he can do that, so he deserves more money. Um, even though he's not doing it consistently, if I'm the defined closer and I'm getting those taken away from me, uh, where they're babying me a little bit more than they th- I think they should be, and if we are a pre-arb guy, could I could certainly see a team Doing that, maybe like, well, listen, you know what? We want him to take two days off after after going back to back. That's kind of a triple A, double A thing to do. It's really not a big league thing to do. Uh, even when I went up as a as a reliever in big leagues, like, you know, you're you got to throw as much as the big league manager wants you to find. Like this, the training wheels are off at this point. Obviously, it's case by case, but in this scenario, no, I'm not upset. I just got want to. I probably just want to stay in the big leagues. Uh, with the Boston Red Sox, because we are making a run, but uh, I'm not that upset about this type of save. I was Tanner Houck, who's got a def- more of a combined save uh, role here, or, uh, closer role. I'd be a little bit more upset. So you're that's. I feel like that's more of like a Pat Light characteristic. Like there are guys that would be upset about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's though, because you got those guys in the teams that are just gonna they're gonna overanalyze everything. Like and there's gonna be other guys that could be on the team. Like, dude, it was one fucking save. Like, you're not you're not going into ARB with 35 saves under your belt here. Like, maybe you go with three, or like if you get the opportunity because we don't have a defined closer role. I don't know what this guy's career stats are if he's got a bunch of saves under his belt or not. But uh, there are certainly going to be guys that overanalyze everything and it's gonna be upset and think the Red Sox are out to get him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this is an arbitration thing. When I bet you Alex Cora has no fucking at least not in that moment that this is what's going on yeah and like uh, not even and yeah not even in terms of like our like look at someone like craig kimbrell a guy who just legit can't he couldn't really function unless he was in the ninth inning and he hasn't really functioned in that role this year but where 
he's just not the same guy. He loses that edge when he's not in the ninth inning, when he's not the go-to guy in the ninth. I think that's the great thing about this Red Sox bullpen is these guys are selfless. They're, none of them are looking at each other and saying, I got to be that guy. It's just on that night, whenever my number gets called, I'll be the guy in that situation. Like Schreiber pitched four times in five days. That's ridiculous for a guy who was in AAA who wasn't even considered for the major league bullpen until, you know, there were some concerns and some guys underperforming. That's how you find depth that works for you. And now the Red Sox are finding these arms, the Danish and Schreiber's of the world that for years, they just couldn't find them. These gems that can carry a team and really hold down a bullpen over the course of a year. I love it. And I love the mentality. I love the who gives a shit about saves mentality. That's my manager right there. That's my manager. And DraftKings is my sports book. Even though we don't have that fucking ad read. SeatGeek is my, seat, is my ticket app, though. Um, we're going to Chicago. First three days there of July. Uh, Jake, do we have tickets yet? No, nah, I, I got to get on SeatGeek and try to get us some. Yeah, I feel like if we get on SeatGeek, we can probably get some tickets. Because um, I want to go to the games. I think this is the first time the Red Sox have played at Wrigley since 2012, I want to say. It's been a while. It's been a while since the Red Sox played at Wrigley, so I'm going to make sure that we get a good seat. And you can do that with SeatGeek. We can absolutely do that with SeatGeek because SeatGeek is so beloved by butts everywhere that they've made it the highest rated ticketing app, whether it's concerts, baseball, basketball, football, festivals, or anything else. SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. And SeatGeek rates every ticket from 0 to 10 to make sure that you're getting a good deal. Green means good and red means bad. And you listening to this podcast right now, telling you right now, you can get $20 off your first purchase with the promo code Jared. That is J-A-R-E-D. You go to SeatGeek.com or you can download the SeatGeek app. That is promo code Jared for $20 off your first SeatGeek order. SeatGeek. Get your seat in a seat and download the app today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Um, all right, so Red Sox sweep the Tigers. Uh, the one, if they're, all right, I'm going to go across the board here. Pat, do you watch the games? Yes, not all, not all of all of the games, but I, I tuned in. Okay, uh, I'm going to take a, a page out of Jake's takes here. I just want one take, one observation that everyone made from this Tiger series. Now that I just said that, with zero prep, does anyone have something that just came to mind right away? I can start. Pat, please start. Pat L., please. The, it's, it's, I'll take it away from the Tiger series, but it can be used for the entire month that we've been playing over the course of this past month. Um, it's something you guys spoke about earlier that I wanted to touch on, but I can touch on it now based off this question. It's the fact that people don't realize even uh, if you have your full big league roster, how hard it is to sweep another big league team, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of how bad the team is. 
to see this essential triple A, you know, put the pieces together type of series for the Red Sox to see them sweep um, is it's an impressive it's an impressive thing to do. Uh, it's hard to sweep a, a major league baseball team. They're all major league baseball players. And to do it in, in, with a kind of piece together series, uh, this team, like like Tyler touched on earlier in the, in the podcast, is showing a tremendous amount of depth, uh, which plays big, especially with the with the gauntlet, as Jared would say, we mm-hmm. have coming up on the schedule. So uh, I was I was particularly impressed. Tyler, I think mine's a little bit different. Uh, coming up, obviously. You know, Toronto is going to complicate some things, but you have some serious roster decisions you got to make in the next couple of weeks with Kike Hernandez. I know there was a little bit of a setback there. It doesn't seem like he's crazy far off, but, you know, probably something we don't see for maybe another week or something like that. But in Christian Arroyo being down in Worcester right now, you have a situation where it looks like Jaron Duran has found his swing in the big leagues. You know, I'm not trying to overanalyze or freak out over the sample size, but what we saw last year where he was constantly getting beat by fastballs up, he's still swinging through some, but the approach at the plate is a lot better. He's been a spark plug in that leadoff spot for you since he came up over this last stretch. And between you know tonight, a big double for you, two RBIs, that first game going two for three with a walk and two bags, like he's making a consistent impact. And considering how Kike struggled earlier in the year, Rob Restnyder continuing to you know, he's playing the outfield, so it's not exactly the same as Christian Arroyo, who gives you some of that depth in the infield. But that does, you know, change the outfield equation a little bit, too, in right field because he mashes lefties. You're going to make some hard decisions. And that's one of the tough things with depth where you're going to, you know, do you push a guy like Rob Refsnyder back down because it doesn't exactly fit the roster and you don't want to expose someone like Christian Arroyo to DFA, maybe considering moving Kike back into a utility role. I think those are conversations that we're probably going to start to have in the next week or two. Jake? Uh, I think it's pretty impressive that it sort of seems like a different guy is stepping up every night. And I think you can sort of see that with how hard the Clark's catch-up MVP discussions have been. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's hard to pick someone who had the best series. And we're going to have another tough one again tonight. So I feel like that's a sign of a good team is that, like, it's not the same guy every night. It's everyone's contributing. It's a good take, Jake. It's a good take. I was already uh, fearful of the Clark's catch-up MVP discussion that we were going to have this evening. Uh, it, it helps to have Pat here as another voice. Um, if we have to go to Coley, we have to go to Coley. It is what it is. It is what it is. Um, but to play off of what Tyler said, the first thing that came to mind for me, and I tweeted it, Jaron Duran needs to be up here. He needs to be up here every day. Um, you know, Putting the ball in play helps a lot. The speed helps a lot. Uh, the defense, you got to work on it, but it's not. He, he doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. Like there's there's plays where it's like, all right, you can see the mistake here. Um, like simple, something as simple as calling somebody off. Like that's your ball. Um, day one stuff. But that can be learned. It's not like, like there are guys who are at the big league level that they kind of just are what they are. And they're going to be what they are and what they always have been. With Duran... Some of the critiques that he's been getting for his defense, those are very correctable things. He's an athlete. So I think Duran's got to be up here um, moving forward. And it kind of sucks for Kike because he was so important to that team last year. But at the end of the day, free agent at the end of the year, uh, this is not like a huge core piece. 
I think a lot of fans love Kike and for obvious reasons, good player. But we'll see what happens with Duran because there's obviously the the element of could he be a, a trade piece come deadline day? We don't know. Um, but I, I, I happen to think, depending on what the name is coming back, if you're going to put Duran in a package for somebody, better be a fucking good name. It better be a guy. Like not one of these like, hey, we're going to flip this player for some prospects and they might make an impact in four years. Like it better be a guy coming back if you're going to trade Duran. And Kike better uh, be showing some improvements offensively, more consistency. Um, maybe the uh, trip to the IL gives him a chance to kind of reset, come back. I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and declare Kike's spot is gone and and Duran took it. Like I don't. I don't want to say that. Uh, I don't think that that's the case. But I do think that Duran needs to be playing every day. I do uh, think that. Uh, I'm there with you. I, I think it, what we've seen with Jaron Duran too. If you really want to go through the minor league history, there was multiple levels where he had a roadblock when he first got there. And the reason I continued to you know push him and I was so high on him was he made adjustments. Again and again and again, whether you want to go back to when he was just a slap happy hitter and he was kind of getting by without really punishing the baseball, picked up the power, started launching baseballs, uh, went too far in that direction. We saw it bit him in the ass last year. He's found that middle ground where now he's driving the ball. We saw in that first game that shot hit to the warning track. That was almost a home run. Um, You know, he can still hit the ball out, but he's willing to throw the bunt down. He's stealing some bags on the base paths and improving on that front. And I just think with Kike Hernandez, yes, there was a lot of good stuff about last year. The first half was rough and very good in the second half, one of your postseason heroes. But I think ultimately where the Red Sox were in 2021, yeah, we were in the middle of a bridge year trying to see what this team's identity was. You can have a guy like Kike Hernandez go out and start. I think on a team that's pushing for a championship, Kike Hernandez is the kind of super utility guy that really helps everybody out. And when you look at what you got going on in right field, you can say, hey, Kike, we're going to get you platooning with JBJ. We'll still get some of that great defense. You know, maybe give Duran a break against certain tough matchups as well. Uh, And guess what? We can also use you in the infield a little bit. We can get Xander an extra day off. We can get Devers an extra day off story, whoever it may be, and kind of get back to those roots. And I think, yeah, it sucks for Kike. I think ultimately the guy that might end up paying the price here will be Christian Arroyo, where, hey, Rob Ref Snyder's really doing his thing, uh, proven to be a good piece and a better defender than Arroyo as well in the outfield. Um, you know, it's tough. You're gonna When you have good depth like this, these are the things that happen to you. And a lot can happen between this time. And Christian Arroyo is an important part of that clubhouse. Kike Hernandez is an important part of that clubhouse. But I don't know how you don't look at Jaron Duran right now and say, yeah, this is one of the things this team was missing. Yeah. A, a guy at the top of the lineup that can get on base, that can hit for a little pop, that that guy shoots the gap. Guess what? He's on fucking third base. And if there's fewer than two outs, he's putting himself in a position to, to represent a run scored. Um, that is a weapon. And, you know, with Arroyo, I mean, we've talked about this before. He just got put in a fucking tough spot. The second yep. that they, they signed Trevor Story and it was late, it was late in the spring. It's like, man, like you're going to be the opening day second baseman. Guess what? You're now a right fielder. Oh, you've never played right field before? Well, you better learn. And you better learn in big league ballparks. Like that's, that's a tough ask. And, and he took it upon himself to, to try and do that. Um, 
But yeah, and, now he's down in Worcester. Yeah, and credit to him. He's actually gotten by in right field. You had a couple ugly moments earlier in the year, but he hasn't been so horrendous out there that they weren't willing to keep pushing him. I think it's just one of those things where, you know, you look at Kike Hernandez in a reduced role. That's where he's going to get some more action because you don't want Kike just hitting against lefties. It's not really fair. You know, if it's strictly a platoon that way, that way you can kind of feature him in right in those other spots. And even so, you got Kike Hernandez on your roster. Tight game. You give him a little bit of the Franchi Cordero, Bobby Delbeck treatment with Jaron Duran. Hey, we're going to put Kike out there. So whoever's out there has a better chance of finishing this one off. Yeah, that. And you mentioned being able to hit lefties. Ref Snyder does that pretty damn good. And that's where Christian Arroyo gets caught. You know, yeah. it's like you got a lefty masher out there and that's basically the role Christian Arroyo has played. And you're going to probably, you know, listen, injuries usually figure this stuff out for a lot of teams. Something will pop up. Something will happen. But yeah, right now, all you can do is kind of look to it because Arroyo should be back for Cleveland. Yes. Yes. I'm excited for this series. And that's, that's not something that I think we would have said uh, <laughs> a month ago. Like, I'm excited for this series against this team that's playing really well. Like, the, the Cleveland Guardians are playing good baseball. They've been trolling us. How, yeah. every, the last two or three podcasts, we've come on angry that the Guardians won again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I believe they were losing to the Twins before we started this podcast. Um, and the Twins had fallen into that wild card spot. The Guardians had kind of jumped them. but. They're not an easy team to deal with. They pitch very well. Um, and obviously, we're going to jump into you know what's going on with them. But they just got Fred Mo Reyes back. <laughs> like mm-hmm. This is not going to be an easy series by any means. It's another measuring stick for you. Yeah. Yep. But I'm excited for the challenge. Are, uh, are you worried about just the next month and you know, even a series like this as you face better competition without, with your current rotation? Because eventually, the innings have to go somewhere. And I like Josh Winkowski. He's looked solid the last two times out. So like a 360 ERA, 380-ish FIP. So, you know, it's not bullshit. He's not getting lucky out there. Um, and you should get Whitlock back for Toronto. Are you, are you freaking out a little bit? Not, fr- I would say I'm, I'm, I'm eager. I'm eager. I, I'm excited and I'm eager because like even like you want to like look at like a mirror situation, right? Last year, the Atlanta Braves, they were playing dog shit baseball to start the year, and then they got it going against bad teams. And then once they started getting it going against bad teams, then they started to beat the good teams, and then they won the World Series. I'm not saying that the Red Sox are going to win the World Series or anything like that, but that's where I kind of look at the whole, uh, oh, you know, you've beat bad teams, like wait till you play the good teams. Well, if you can put together a stretch like the Red Sox just did, 16 wins in 20 games in the month of June, and they're against some bad teams, that can build some confidence. That can get some guys uh, seeing the ball well and pitchers building confidence. That stuff matters. Like, I know that people want to, like, baseball is a very numbers oriented game. I get it. But from the human element standpoint, you get some confidence in these guys. I mean, they've gone on this run. JD is like fucking one for his last 21 or something like that. He was the only reason why they were winning games before. It was him, Devers, and Bogarts. And JD's gone a little cold. He'll be back. Not worried about that. But, you know, to Jake's point about someone stepping up every single night, that's great because if JD in April went cold, you're losing that game. Like, 
you know, it'd be great if Devers and and Bogarts are like hitting doubles and everything. If there's no one to drive them in, then what the fuck? So, yeah, I think uh, looking at the schedule and the teams that they have ahead of them, uh, not to jinx anything, the Rays look less scary and, than uh, the, the the standings would suggest. And what they've lost, like, listen, I it sucks injuries happen. The Red Sox are going through them. Manuel Margot going to miss a significant amount of time. That's a major deal for that team. Kevin Kiermaier on the IL. Brandon Lau has been out for quite some time. You know, like these are Nick Anderson, a guy they were hoping to get back somewhat soon. Now having issues coming back from Tommy John, still elbow discomfort. You know, those things are going to pile up And what the Rays are so great at is depth. They really don't have that right now. Mm -hmm. That goes a long way for the Red Sox. And I'm not saying the Rays will ever be easy games, but them kind of being knocked down a peg and having a, you know, arm tied behind their back. That will go a long way when you're going through a gauntlet like you're about to go through. Pat, how do you feel about this fucking gauntlet coming up? I'm not entirely worried about it. Mm. Uh, it, it baseball's a numbers game, and baseball is uh, is talked quite a bit about on Twitter, uh, especially in your mentions, Jared. And it's 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 more more of a nonsense. It's 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 not really meaningful. If you watch the Red Sox play, they're a really good fucking team. We knew this in the beginning of the year. We had some troubles early on. We had guys step up that we didn't expect to step up, but this is a good team, and we're we're probably going to get better as guys come back. We have more depth than you could probably imagine to ever have when we started talking in April. It's I'm not worried. We're playing really good. We did. If the Yankees did this this past month, everyone would be like, "Yep, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing." They wouldn't be. Maybe you know, people like us would be in their little mentions, being like, "Fuck off, it's bad teams." But in reality, we'd be sitting there, and be like, "Shit, that was a really good month." Uh, it's they they did exactly what they were supposed to as a good baseball team, and and I expect them to do the same this coming this coming month. I don't I don't expect anything different. I mean, it's tougher teams, uh, but I don't expect I expect us to compete the way we competed this month. Guardians are in first place now. Yeah, I think the Guardians are cool and all. I mean, they did just beat, they just won today eleven ten, uh, but still the Guardians. You know, I, I'm not, and they're. I don't think I, the Guardians going to Toronto afterwards, right? I think so. And then Chicago, and then uh, I, I, I more so look at the, the 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 series that we're playing bad teams as a representation of what type of team you are, rather than the good series. Like everyone gets up against to play the Yankees. Tell me when when Yankees come to the come to Fenway, people aren't gonna be excited. Sold out crowd. Everyone gets up for those games. It's when you go. In, that's wild. why I was so disappointed in Cincinnati. What was the team before Cincinnati that we lost to that was disappointing? Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. Although they're not as bad as we always used to seem to think they would be. But uh you know, the, you need to beat those teams so that you can, you know, every now and again take only one again or or split a series with the Yankees, take only one. You know, those are the games you need to win because you need to be able to balance when you're playing a good team because it's when you have two really good teams going up against each other, oftentimes it's fifty fifty. Who gets the breaks that night to be able to win a ball game? Uh and I expect that with Boston in New York. I don't th- I think in my opinion Boston and New York are going to fight for the division as long as the the Red Sox have a have a have a solid month this year which I expect a solid month this coming month which I expect them to do so. Mm-hmm. I I think you know you could be looking at a really interesting division race uh, coming mid-August if, if the Red Sox play the way they have been the past month and a half which I expect them to. The uh the Blue Jays wait what am I looking at? The Blue Jays lost? No, they beat the White they Sox won. today. Yeah, they won. 
What am I looking at? Oh, I'm looking at Monday. Duh. The fuck? Um, the Red Sox are a half game back of second place. They were a half game back coming into today, but uh, they've maintained their position of a half game back of second place. And I would like to state the Red Sox have the third best run differential still in the AL. This isn't something, you know, people want to say, oh, you, you beat up on Oakland. You put up 10 runs, whatever it may be. This is carrying. This has been this way for a couple, you know, well over a week or two now. Uh, the Red Sox are here. They're scoring runs. They're pitching well. None of this is kind of falling through the cracks here. Um, that run differential, you can't run from it. That that will tell you what a quality of a team is, especially we're not a month in anymore. We're not two months in. It's going to be halfway. We're three months into the season. And, you know, seven days, eight days. It's enough the, of a sample size. The gauntlet takes us up to the all-star break. The gauntlet takes us up to the all-star break. And right and at that all-star break, you get Chris Sale. Right around there. Is he good? Uh, from what I've heard, one of the greatest. What do they and, call him? Vintage Chris Sale? Is it vintage Chris Sale? Yeah, because, you know, what a lot of people and all these frauds who want to cry, oh, Chris Sale, what was he last year in the postseason? The guy still made nine stars down the stretch and pitched with 316 RA with two pitches. Basically a reliever. He had a fastball and a slider and inconsistent velocity. And guess what? He still got through. He still, you know, gave you what he could without his full arm strength there. Alex Cora is drooling. He's drooling in these interviews talking about Chris Sale. This is the old Chris Sale. Mm-hmm. This is the Chris Sale I remember. He mm-hmm. has his changeup again. That's a, so that was the point I was going to make is it was last episode of the one before we started talking about Chris Sale coming back. And my biggest concern was he can't be a two pitch pitcher. If he's going to come back, he's going to start. And we were seeing him at whatever it was, like 93, 94, maybe 95. Like that fastball is not fooling anyone. And the slider is still great. One of the best sliders maybe ever. But two pitches, you can just guess 50-50. You can spit on the slider, sit on the heater, and that's how you give up grand slams in the playoffs to Jordan Luplo, who I like. Good guy. But you can't be giving up grand slams in the playoffs. Uh, but Alex Cora made a point to highlight that changeup. He's got it. He's got that changeup. And his velocity, 97. Mm. 97. You know, that 97, I I don't know where that number reminds me. Oh, wait, when he was screaming off the mound in the playoffs, going Mm -hmm. fully crazy, screaming into his glove, maniac Chris Hill on the mound, when everyone said, oh, well, he's only hitting that because, you know, it was a big moment and he let everything out. Hey, the arm's not even fully tuned up yet. He, he really just made his first start of spring training and he hit 97. That was his changeup. That's what you're hearing? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From a pitcher's perspective, Pat, I know that you were previously a starter. <clears throat> um, fastball split. Uh. How big, and I know it's probably more valuable, I guess, to hear it from a hitter because you're trying to figure out, uh, you know, the guessing game of what's coming. But how big of a difference does it make if you have three quality pitches compared to two? Tremendous amount. It's it's not even, it's almost, as a reliever of a one-inning guy, it almost kind of hinders you. Because you're only facing guys once. You really just want to throw your best stuff. You don't need to throw anything else up there. As a guy who's going to face guys multiple times, 
it's to add that that another wrinkle is unbelievably important. You, sp- you spoke earlier, Jared, about when these hitters come up and they're seeing two pitches from Chris. You're talking about a fastball and a slider. You know, most times guys can pick up slider spin uh, and just spin in general as far as a, as a curveball or a slider. Uh, a lot of guys can just see spin and now I'm just holding. If I see spin, I'm holding. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking, unless you go to two strikes. You know, that's when things kind of get a little bit dicey. But trying to fight to, to two strikes is, is difficult. And now do you have the change up. Um, now only are you guessing fat, you know, you're talking about spin or no spin. Now you're guessing speed on the no spin. Uh, and then next thing you know, you're trying to figure out speed on the no spin. Next thing the spin comes and you're just waving at it. It, it just, it really, it, it, it makes things a lot more difficult for hitters. And then on top of it, it allows the pitch to go deeper into ballgames. Because if you're, if you're a three pitch guy, I remember I used to try to go through the lineup. And to be fair, like I said, I always try to mention this. I still think I could have been a starter if they didn't take my splitter away but uh i try to go into i try to go through first time through the the order throwing fastballs maybe a couple change-ups uh i didn't want them to see anything else uh but guys in the league obviously don't do that especially as you get later in the season but uh it's three pitches is unbelievably important i mean you just look at some of the guys like greg maddox who had four you know those guys were able to do it because they only threw 91 that's not fooling anybody but when you have four pitches to worry about as a hitter shit sucks does suck. Yeah. Can't be fun. No, it's horrendous. And then you got a guy dotting. That's no fun. Then Chris Sales comes behind your back as a lefty, throwing 97. And now you got to figure out if he's throwing a slider or not. Fuck that. Mm. There's a lot of things I'm excited about right now. A lot of things I'm excited about. I, and I don't want to, I don't want to set the bar too high. As it pertains to my Chris Sale expectations, but goddamn, is Alex Cora making this a difficult time for me and my family? But like Alex Cora, I feel like is always the calm, the cool, even keeled kind of guy. If he's sitting here and telling you like, "Holy shit!" Like Chris Sale, he's giving me a chub, dude. How are we all not sitting here saying the same thing? What's it, nice? It, what's nice about this, Tyler, and I think you guys will all agree on this. Is it? It's gonna be very nice to have Chris back, especially if he's vintage Chris. But we're sitting here with the Boston Red Sox, who have who've played tremendous baseball for the last month and change. I'm excited to have Chris back, but like I'm not sitting here being like, oh, we desperately need him, which we were all thinking at the end of April, like, oh, we fucking need this guy, and we certainly probably still do need this guy to compete with New York Yankees. But it's nice being here and being like, all right, well, you know, give him an extra week. We, if he needs one, you know, mm-hmm. we don't need to rush him back. We're, mm-hmm. we're in an all right spot. And I think the Red Sox did that. It was, you know, everyone thought he was supposed to throw two innings down in his first, you know, Florida Complex League start. No, they said one inning. We're good. We'll let him get another start down there. You're not rushing him. You don't have to push yourself too hard here. When he gets back, this team has proven they more than tread water. They're floating. They're fine. You know, and this is with multiple arms down right now. Just getting Garrett Whitlock back in the next week is a huge boost for you. Mm. Mm. Like it feels, I, I don't know. To me, it feels like Garrett Whitlock, they've gone so long without him being that Garrett Whitlock. It's like at one point he was felt like he was what this team held on to. Yeah. If, if you just get Garrett Whitlock and he'll be better than what we saw right before he went down. I think you can survive until Nate Evaldi's ready, even if you are going through the gauntlet. 
You know what? You know what upsets me the most is where would the Red Sox be in the standings if they kept Garrett Whitlock in the bullpen the whole time, and someone like Winkowski made the team out of spring and was doing? I know it's a small sample, but let's just say we uh, extrapolated his numbers over the course of the season. Where would the Red Sox be? Like the Blue Jays would be behind you. Yeah, you would probably be modestly six games back of first place with a pretty comfortable lead on everybody else. That's more than likely where you'd be. Maybe better. Maybe better. And Yankees fans would be shitting bricks that they were off to one of the hardest starts, you know, really in the history of baseball. And the Red Sox were still sitting there. You know, six games back is six games back, but yeah. anything can happen in a couple of weeks as we know. Right. You still have, I mean, you've only played the Yankees three times. You have a lot of head-to-head competition, which could go either way, or you could just beat each other up and there's really no ground made either way. We don't know. But if they had Garrett Whitlock in the bullpen from the start, never moved to the rotation, and a guy like Winkowski comes in there with his mid-three, high threes, low fours, essentially what Whitlock was giving you as a starter, um, if he was there from the jump, where would we be? Because then you can shift guys like Tanner Houck to the the spots in the bullpen where Hansel Robles is blowing games, um, where Matt Barnes was blowing games earlier, uh, Brazier when he was going bad, Salamora. Everyone shifts down one, everything changes. But I don't want to. It's you know it's revisionist history. I'm but, not going to sit here and do the what if game because I still like where we're at right now. Yeah. And it's just like you can go and respect at the same time and just say the Red Sox caught just about every bad break they could have caught the first month of the season. And guess what? It brought them together. They didn't collapse. This team, like they are close. They are having fun, like seeing Story and Bogarts, as we talked about, we wanted to see them make out last episode. Like yeah. they're they're having a blast with each other. Everyone looks happy. And it's like that vibe. And listen, I'm a stack guy. I get it. There's certain things you can't quantify. When you see a team click like this and they're coming together and they're playing for each other, that's a special thing to have. And I say, look, everything's broke the Yankees way so far this year. Things go wrong in every season. Nothing, nothing is perfect all the time. You're going to hit your bumps. I think the Red Sox are just going to continue. They're on that right you know, trajectory. It's just I think they have a chance to be the best team in baseball in the second half. Best record overall. I think with all their pieces coming back, how can you not? The bullpen should be good enough. The lineup, you're dominating. You're one of the best in baseball and the rotation has done its thing. It would take a lot to kind of derail them at this point. <laughs> what I need, and I, two points, two points here. First one, to your point about it looks like they're having fun <clears throat> to everyone. That when the Red Sox were nine games under 500, still hitting homers and doing the home run cart, and everyone was like, oh, come on, I'm still doing this. This is why you still do it. This is why you still do it. You can't just pick and choose when you're going to do stuff like that. If that's your celebration, that's your team celebration. That's what brings you together. Uh, Rich Hill, who I talked to in the dugout on Friday, and normally I wouldn't share conversations that were, I guess, I mean, it's not like it's like top secret information, but off the record, there's, there's no camera, there's no microphone. Um, but he said the same thing in the post game after his start that he said to me on Friday, which was this team is really starting to gel 
You see guys hanging out with each other on the road. Like stuff, not necessarily that the team didn't like each other at the beginning of the season, but you know, as the season goes along, you make up your do I like my teammates or do I not? And this team has decided we like each other. This is a this is a cohesive unit. And obviously there's some carryover pieces from last year, but even some of the newer guys that have come up and uh, I talked about on the last podcast uh, the maturity uh, that I've seen in Jaron Duran, and he talked about that after. Oh man, um, must have been Saturday's game, Sunday's game. I can't remember. Um, what fucking day is it today? Today's Wednesday. It was. Over you're thinking the of Monday? Oh, I thought are you the post game interview. Is that yeah, the yeah, one yeah. you're talking about? That was Monday, right after the two for three. Yeah, yeah. He was even talking about like you know, I was pressing last year. I was trying to do too much and. And now I'm just I'm trying to have fun this time around. Like you can see the maturity difference in Duran this year compared to last year. Rich Hill talking about how guys are hanging out on the road together. And that's that's like a, a, a recent development where guys and you know, I've talked to other players in the team that um, when things were going bad, uh, when things were going bad in April, there were some powwows, some some late night, like, you know, they're they're on the road. And they're obviously wearing it because of how bad the team was. Guys just like huddled up all in the same hotel room. Like no one was going back to their hotel rooms by themselves and wallowing in their sorrows. They were making sure that like, hey, man, you know, you may be oh for your last 16, but we're all in this together. We're not going to let you be sad by yourself. So that stuff was happening before, too. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's the DNA of a winning ball club is. You know, it's it's not about uh, sucking each other's dicks when when you're all doing great. It's about being there for your teammate when they're not doing so hot. It's about going up to a pat light and saying, "Hey, man, eight earned runs. That's tough, but you know what? We got your back. You're uh, you're one of us. You're one of the boys, right?" Yeah, that's what it's about. <laughs> that's what it's about. It's about being but, a good teammate. But like you look at it, like those sessions we heard about with Trevor Story, where they were just sitting in there hours after the game working. You're telling me that I don't bring a team together? And I think the other thing is this John Schreiber invented dance party they got going on. Did you did you guys hear about this? Excuse me. So Jen McCaffrey put out a piece in The Athletic talking about after wins, the dance party they're having in the clubhouse. Uh, and John Schreiber's kind of led the way on this. But that's how they're celebrating a lot of their victories this year. Dance parties. Full blown music blaring like they're going they're partying. They're having fun. I love that. So when you see John Schreiber screaming off the mound like a fucking maniac after, you know, he's punching out insert amazing hitter here to finish a game after, you know, working four out of five days. Just know they're waiting to have a dance party after they take this W. That's amazing. I need to hear more about these dance parties. I did. There was one video I remember early in the season, like maybe a month ago or so, uh, and someone just recorded the doors of the clubhouse and there was music blaring and you could tell guys were having fun. And they're like, oh, it sounds like the Red Sox are having a dance party. Jen McCaffrey went and actually dove into it. So they have full blown dance parties. Yes. Who do you think? Pat, who do you think is the best dancer on this team? Xander Bogarts. You think so? Without question. You see, you've seen him naked, right? Several times. Several times? Yeah. Got an amazing body? Magnificent. <clears throat> Something worth many millions of dollars. 
How many million would you say? Um, three hundred and fifty. Ooh, that's a lot of money, Pat. It's <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. Well, listen for a two-year deal. For a two-year deal, <laughs> a lot of money. Um, so you've seen him naked. Yeah. Did you love it? <laughs> it was great. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's really good, man. Mm-hmm. Um, from guys that you didn't play with, just by watching this team on TV, who would you say um, is the is the best answer? Kike Hernandez. Kike, I, yeah, that's true. I think we've seen him dance. Yeah. Who do you think? Typically the, speaking, and this is not racist in any way. Yeah, Latin guys are just better dancers. Coming from your family, that's a wild way to preface a sentence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How is your grandmother? I think she's doing good. I don't know. You don't check in on your grandmother, dude? One of the the, the one that you're speaking about <laughs> <laughs> is lives in West Virginia. I don't Of uh, course she does. Yeah, something recently happened. Um when was it birthday or she fell? I don't remember. Um, but did you say did you say something happened? It was either a birthday or she fell. Is that what you just said? Possibly both. I'm not 100 sure. Uh, I'm very concerned with how out of the loop you are. I listen. If you think I'm out of loop, just there's a wild end of the spectrum. Yeah, it did. This we've never, never really been. My dad left West Virginia, and because he was told there were hot girls on the Jersey Shore, and we should go up there, and uh, went and became a bouncer. At the shore bars, and uh, that's where he met my mother. So uh, he something he happened really... with my grandmother. It was either her birthday or she fell. Mm-hmm. Pat light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like she fell at her birthday party, and you don't yeah. really care that much. Right. Very possible. Very possible. Damn. Well, listen. The reality <laughs> is, no one can shit on Pat because he's so busy. He doesn't go to his grandmother's birthday party mm-hmm. why the fuck would he show up for this podcast right yeah we at got, least he's I consistent love the way tyler brought that around yeah also <clears throat> i just want to i just want to say uh uh i hope she's okay or happy birthday one of the two i don't know possibly both <laughs> both <laughs> good times i hope yeah best best wishes i think encompasses both Best yeah. wishes. Best wishes. Best, <laughs> best wishes. Best wishes to Pat's grandmother. How old specifically is she? The, specifically the one in West Virginia. Yes. Uh, huh. <laughs> this is a bad look, Pat. You better yeah. just Come lie. On. Come yeah. up with a number. Just make up a name or a number. A name. I don't, I'm familiar with her name either. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know her name? No, I do know her name. Okay. Uh, what is it? Uh, Lois. 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 Like Family Guy? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. We love Lois. Mm-hmm. Well, not really. No. We don't particularly like some of her views. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, grew up in a different time. Different time. <laughs> different time. <laughs> Thank God she doesn't have Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, she would have some takes. 
<clears throat> Anyways, uh, mm-hmm. we should pick a Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. We should do that. Um, Sounds great. Yeah, it's uh, it's another tight one. I mean, looking at the numbers here, Franchi Cordero actually had the highest batting average in this series. He hit 429. <clears throat> Only in two games, though. 1,000 OPS. Christian Vasquez played in all three games, hit 400 with a 1264 OPS. So out of everyone that played in all three games, those are the best marks. And I would say he's my leader in the clubhouse. Jaron Duran, 364, 962 OPS. Bob played in all three games, hit 333 with an 833 OPS. Can I make a point on Bob real quick? Please. Above league average hitter dating back to May 1st now. So wow. you, put, you put Bob in a platoon where, you know, he gets spared a little bit from some of these tough righties. Mm-hmm. You're an above league average bat. That's just the facts. Mm-hmm. So say what you want about Bob, but he's giving you above average defense now and he's giving you an above average bat. We love Bob. We are pro Bob on this podcast. I think Bob's, Bob's been in the zone. Bob has... Uh, Bob's Bob's mindset has has changed in the last call it month. He's uh I think he's more focused. I think he's more I think that I think the chip for a dude that kind of like I don't want to say was never faced adversity. That's not true. But for a dude that was really good offensively for his entire life. Um, I think that this season has really uh, reignited his passion for wanting to be great. Um, so we're starting to see that. We're starting to see that in uh, you know this platoon role. He's getting more favorable matchups. Um, the pressure, I think, has been taken off of him a little bit. And we're seeing success and results as, as a result of that. So um, I don't think he'll be Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. <clears throat> but uh, but worth can, he gets a ketchup packet. He gets a packet. Uh, first game of this series, Christian Vasquez did go hitless. He did go hitless. Second game of this series, two for three, Annie Homer. That Homer saved that game. It did. Red Sox win that game by a run. And then tonight, Christian Vasquez, two for four with a dubla. Mm. It's not like a, it's, there was no standout Clark's catch-up series MVP, but I am leaning Vasquez. I think it's Vasquez and Duran. I think those are the two names that you decide between. I will give Schreiber some love with two big outs just in those first two games of the series where he delivered when you really needed him the most. Uh, besides that, I think Bogart swung the bat well, just in terms of moments, you know, he didn't have that big moment in this series that we've seen out of him earlier in this year. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's tough. I think Vasquez had bigger moments than Duran, but I think Duran throughout the series, that speed, what he did in that leadoff spot, it felt like it just set the, t- like you go back to that first game how he came around to score in that first inning, it felt like that set the tone for the entire series where the Woosocks took over. Um, <clears throat> also worth noting on Duran, he had a hit in every game, <clears throat> and he also scored a run in every game. 
pretty big. Uh, it, uh, it's of note. It's important. And he drove in what two? Yep. Yeah, he drove in two tonight. He tied the game when they were down two nothing. He drove in two, and he stole two bags in that first game. Mm. I don't know. Am I swaying back? It's close. It's very close. I do have a lot of love for Vasquez as well because I want to give credit. The first guy Winkowski brought up in his post game presser was Vasquez and how much it meant. Just he was like, this felt like the first time me and Vasquez were really like on the same page, and it was like he knew what pitch I was going to throw. You know, what I was thinking in my head when I stepped on the mound every single time. So I do think he deserves some credit for getting Winkowski and continuing to help him settle in, especially because we've been hard on Vasquez at times for his game calling a little bit and how he handles himself back there. Um, But I don't know. I think this could be the series where we look back and say Jaron Duran might have uh, cemented himself in this outfield. Mm. Before we cast any votes, do I call Coley? Since we didn't hear from him last week, I, I am a little concerned. I would like to hear his voice again. Not again. Not again, Coley. Please, Coley, don't do this. Don't do this, Coley. Coley, don't do this. What could these kids be doing? Coley, don't do it. He's going to do it. Coley, don't do this. Coley, do not do this. He's doing it. He's doing it. He did us. He did it. That's he it. did it. He did it. <clears throat> he's, uh, he's raising children. <sighs> you don't get you don't get anything for that. Damn. Pat. Yeah. How do you feel? I'm actually uh, not considering either of those two people as the wow. Fox ketchup. <laughs> the Coley roll. Speak yeah. to us. So I'm going to go back to uh, this person has already uh, has been used for me. He's already been an MVP. Um, and uh, he's not a player. I'm going back to Alex Core with an honorable mention to Heim Bloom. Mm. This, te- this team was pieced together this this week this week no is it a weekend what day is today Wednesday Wednesday so this week it was pieced together this week uh, a lot of young guys were mentioned we mentioned Duran we mentioned uh, Big Bob we mentioned uh, it, it, the bullpen was pieced together when what's his face wasn't available everything about this this series was pieced together and I know Alex well enough to know that he's not he is certainly talking to Heim on a daily basis, but he gets to make his decisions of who he wants there and who he doesn't. Um, he called up the right guys, whether uh, it was a co-decision between the two of them or just his, but he called up the right guys. He pieced together games very well. And I don't know if we sweep with another manager. So uh, I'm, I'm giving it to Alex Cora. <clears throat> Alex Cora gets a vote for Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. I'm not yep. gonna lie, the Heim, the Heim stuck out to me a little bit oh, there. I feel, oh, spare me, Jared, please. Uh, <laughs> I, I, listen, it just spoke to me when we're talking about depth that here. We're we're talking about Josh Winkowski that first game, you know, coming in, giving you a solid start when you really needed that. Franchi Cordero, how much shit has Heim Bloom got for Franchi Cordero? Spare me on the Andrew Benatendi stuff. I'm happy those people stopped talking. Um, Franchi Cordero has a huge game for you out there. Alex Verdugo, another Heimblum guy. Massive mm-hmm. catch in the seventh inning there. The oh, yeah, keep that. Speak to us. 
<laughs> Pain. McMahon. What's up? Um, <clears throat> we're uh, we're trying to drizzle that ketchup right now. Are you trying to raise a baby? <clears throat> yeah, she she just went to sleep like as you were calling. So Are I you in the shower? <laughs> I'm in the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. Um, Pat showed up. Pat's no. here. Yeah, he did. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, no, he's here. Who did he vote for? So I know that's wrong. Mm, he voted for Alex Cora. <laughs> I mean, what? For what? <laughs> uh, roster construction. He doesn't construct the roster. That's what I. That's yeah. That's kind of where I'm at too. He, he, he play, I'm sure he gets a say. Yeah, he gets uh, a say. He gets a vote. He gets a vote. Yeah, yeah. but he's not. The, he doesn't fucking swing the, the hammer. The two, nah. The two, uh, the two guys that never made it past high I, school I baseball telling me how construction story came to mind, but I was counting one of his dingers from the St. Louis series, so that doesn't count. No. Um, By the way, Pat said we never made it past high school baseball, so we can't talk about baseball. I said you Look, can't. All eat. I've ever done is talk about baseball, <laughs> and I do it at an exceptional level. You're doing great. I think I think Manny deserves more more votes than than fucking Cora does. Manny, I mean, so I didn't even get to that. I didn't even get to that. So I was, uh, that was the first game of the series? First game of the series. uh, I'm at my apartment. And uh, I'm sitting around waiting to turn on. The TV's not on yet. And it's probably like 7.04. And I just hear an eruption of cheers. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, did they start like that? It was like a home run type cheer. And I was like, there's no fucking way that they started this game early. What the fuck was that? And I turned my TV on. There's Manny Ramirez in the middle of Fenway Park throwing out the first pitch. This city still loves its heroes. Yeah, Manny. And he was ex- like exceptional in the booth. I thought he was going to be. I think it was helpful that Millar was there, who also does. Uh, yeah, he deserves a lot of love for this series as well. He's been crushing it in the booth, mm-hmm. despite. He thinks every ball. I don't, I'm shocked. He Pat Light talks about playing past high school baseball. Kevin Millar was on TV being like, every time the someone swings, I think it's a home home run. Like every he every time that. someone every time someone put it in play, he was like, that looks like it's got a shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like it's got a shot. I mean that <clears throat> that ball that Jeter Downs hit and is I think third at bat. Uh, that looked like it had a shot at least getting some wall. It was that was the only at bat I think he made contact. So yeah, it had to have been his third at bat. Yeah, he he roped a foul down the left field line though. The chief, listen, that's why you try trade Mookie Betts to get a guy who ropes fouls. <laughs> so we're not high on Jeter Downside, so he's not going to get him. No, I, listen, it was his first game. He I mean, he did fine. We won. It was against the Tigers. I'm not too worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, my my vote would would be for Vasquez. Okay. Uh, I think he he drove in a run, I believe, in every game. He didn't have a hit in the... T- tonight? No, he did. In the first game? The first, first game, game, he didn't uh, have a hit. One game, he didn't have a hit, but I think he had a sack fly. Okay. Or maybe it Correct. was like a, yeah, he, he got did. thrown out at first and someone scored. Yeah, I think he had a sack fly in the first game. Um. So, yeah, in his home run ended up being big. Game winner, 6-5. Uh, Right, and so I and I think he started off the inning tonight that Ref Snyder went yard. 
if I remember correctly. I might be wrong there. Mm. Uh, but he was big all series. Uh, the pitching continues to be well. He gets a call in that. He's pressing the buttons on his knee, <laughs> calling those <laughs> calling those pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure not Deakman. I'm, no. I'm so scared every time he's on the mound. We talked about that. I, I shared your take. I said uh, it's going to be tough in October with that. And story. Yeah, I, I like when his when his bat's locked in. This guy needs to start turning double fucking plays and not short arming the ball. Oh wow. I thought you were gonna go complimentary route for Trevor Story's defense. We're we were critiquing it. His glove, I have nothing wrong to say about his glove. And if I had been on this program uh the whole season, I would have been able to make this point more. This guy cannot be your shortstop of the future. He he cannot throw the ball. So you you prefer Xander Bogarts is what you're saying. I, even if it's not Xander, obviously I prefer Xander. That's that's not even a, a question. Mm-hmm. But like, even if it's not Xander, and I think the Red Sox have been pretty open about the fact that they don't think Trevor Story can throw the ball. Even when Xander doesn't play or comes out of a game, they refuse to move Story to shortstop. Mm-hmm. They won't do it because his range is awesome. His glove is awesome. He cannot throw the ball, and it, it, he's hurt. Like he, it's from an injury. I know that, but. Man, oh man, that's two double plays in the last four days. He hasn't turned because he just can't throw. Interesting. <clears throat> Tyler, <clears throat> Tyler, I don't think agrees at all. I mean, they, they were literally safe at first. I don't know what he could disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish we had the technology. I mean, we do have the technology, but it's just not set up. Normally, I could just plug my phone in or connect via Bluetooth and like everyone could hear you. But right now, like they can hear you, but you can't hear them. You know the deal. I'll be honest, I almost prefer this. <laughs> I'd like to hear from Tyler. Pat. Eh. Thank you. Eh. Yeah. He was saying mean things about me, and now he's going to play this whole victim card like I started it. He did, did disparage not. your baseball playing ability. He did. Yeah, listen, my ERA is lower than his. The big league. Oh, <laughs> damn. Boom sauce. <laughs> God is ass. Who? Someone was chirping Pat Light the other day. Like, was it Bradford? Someone like on TV. Oh, was fucking Alex Spear, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Spear was chirping him. Yeah, what the hell is that all about, Pat? I didn't even see what he said. Your fucking mic is muted. Oh, absolutely crumbling. This guy says we can't talk about baseball. <laughs> I didn't see what he said. You didn't see what he said? No. This guy. It was. I mean, I don't think he meant it in a chirpy way, but it came off very chirpy. What'd he say? Can we can we get that tweet, Jake? Jake's on it. Jake's <laughs> fucking on it. <laughs> it was it, I don't like I mean, knowing Alex Spears' character, he is uh <clears throat> he's I think he went to Harvard. And he's a statistical robot. Like he, I don't think he does humor, so I don't think it was meant to be a chirp or like a ball. I don't know. All I know is that I saw it, and I was like, "That seems like a weird tweet." No, like you're right. His he is a robot, and so his brain was just like, "Let me pull the highest ERA I know," <laughs> and it just went directly to light comma Pat and his Rolodex in his head. Just it, search Alex. 
from Alex Spear. Pat just shut his camera off. From <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. From Alex Spear. <clears throat> and search uh, Pat underscore light. I don't think he added them. I think he did. That'd be even funnier. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> let me roast this dude's ass right now. <laughs> You got it, Jake? Yeah, with the Red Sox bullpen having allowed six runs in the sixth on a Saturday game of the week in Albert Pujols and David Ortiz at Fenway, one wonders if we're in a wormhole that will end with at Pat Light pitching in the late innings. Oh. So he, he sauced them. That's a, that's a boom sauce, Jake. That's the definition of a boom sauce. That's the definition of a boom sauce, according to Jake. All right. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know that Alex Spear had it in him. I would. Pat, can you still hear us, even though you shut your camera off? Yes. Uh, uh, do you have a relationship with Alex Spear? I've met him a few times. I'm sure he interviewed me a few times, but that's about it. What is uh? What is your um? What's your uh, reaction to that tweet? <laughs> I don't really have a reaction. To that. I think. I think. I don't think he was being mean. That's not a mean tweet. Um, it's not a nice tweet. <laughs> I think he's just saying like, oh, like we could get Pat Light in this game. You know, <clears throat> I think he was, he was saying like he wanted to see you pitch in the game. I bet that's, that's probably, that's how I took it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I read it. Yeah. Same. I didn't, I didn't retweet it. I didn't like, I didn't support. Hey, I didn't me being it. your friend. I didn't, I didn't support the tweet. I didn't, I didn't retweet the tweet. I didn't like the tweet. I didn't engage with the tweet. What are you gonna do, Coley? Do you have a so you're voting Christian Vasquez? Yeah, I don't really know who else it could be. Uh, Duran, Duran had a hit and scored a run in every game. Don't get me fucking started on Duran. Oh, because of the vaccine. This guy, I mean, this is far and away the most consistent he's played at this level. No. Yes. And because he has to do more research, he's. He's ending that, and he like he probably won't come back. You think they're going to send him down? They have to. They physically have to send him down. Like he cannot cross the border and go to Toronto. Yeah. And then by the time he gets back, Kike will probably be healthy, even though his injury seems to have taken a weird turn. Yeah. Uh, but Arroyo's coming back this weekend. Like Kike will be back. I don't. I don't know that. Like. They're going to be in a rush to like Ref Snyder's better. He's just better at baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Franchi's better at baseball. Verdugo's better at baseball. Bradley, like, where is he going to play? He did this to himself. Yeah. That was a wild tweet. Like, I, I forget who had it, but whoever was like, it was a quote from Duran saying, uh, you know, I'm still doing research on the vaccine and talking to my family about it. Like, Vaccine's been out for a year, man. Like we either you take it or you don't. I don't know what research we're doing. Uh, I respect if everyone's decision. I'm not. I, I don't get into any political debates about it. If you want to take it, great. If you don't, whatever. Um, but the research, man. Like what? What research is still out there right now? This is this is why I respect Chris Sale. He was just like, nah, I'm all set. He didn't say like, nah, I have to run the numbers. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's going to be a tight situation. Next time he's up, I want 
everyone in that bullpen. Like the, when you were coming up, uh, and I know Pat can't relate to this because he didn't make the journalist grind like we did. He hasn't written a paper since high school. Um, well, no, he went to Monmouth. There's there's papers there, right, Pat? No. Pat? Yes. <laughs> did you write? Did you have to write a senior thesis or anything? No. Were you? Did you get drafted after your junior year? Yeah. So you never wrote a senior thesis. I went back, but uh, and finished my degree, but I didn't have to write a senior thesis. No. He didn't write a senior thesis, Coley. I mean, Monmouth's in New Jersey, right? Yes. So that's not a real school. Yeah, that's true. Um, but all these all these journalists who gave you a hard time, like, oh, you're not in the locker room, you're not asking the tough questions. Mm-hmm. Next time Jaron Duran's in front of the media, not tomorrow, or tomorrow's an off day, not the day after that, in about a month, mm-hmm. if assuming he's back up here, I want follow-up question. How's the research going? What have you found that all the top scientists in the world have not yet stumbled upon, Jaron? That's all I'd like. To, I'd like to hear the follow-up on the research. That's all. Maybe he found something. That'd be great. It's a good question. It's a good question. Um, who, who, what writer would you consult for this? Like, who do you think, who do you think has it in them to ask the question? Uh, listen, they're all tough guys. <laughs> working in the locker room, grinding the beat. So it should be, they should all be jumping at this opportunity. Um, but probably Katio. Yeah, Katio's a fucking asshole. I bet you he'd ask. <laughs> Duran just slams some ice cream in his face. He's like, get the <laughs> fuck away from me, dude. Kick, kick rocks, <laughs> geek. <laughs> Duran, Duran just beating the shit out of Katio. <laughs> Unbelievable content. Yeah. He deserves it. I hope he beats him up anyway. Yeah, he's just like, I, I actually also didn't get it. He's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Pussy. Uh, well, um, all right. Yeah, Check any... Christian Vasquez. Again, it would have been Durant, but he's, we're never going to see him again. Yeah. I mean, I hope we see him again. I, I want him in there every day, but... You know. Yeah, like I said, this is the best, by even defensively, this is the best he's ever looked. And now he's gone. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> all right. I'll vote for Christian Vasquez. Thank you, Coley. Of course. You like my hat? It's a good hat. Thank you. All right, you get back to that baby. I'll try. All right. See you. Bye. All right, that's a vote for Christian Vasquez. Pat? Yeah. You doing all right over there? Doing great. What were you doing? Are you, are you texting? No. What were you doing? Uh, balancing your taxes or? Yeah. You calculating how much money you're making this year? Nope. What's going on over there? Balancing my checkbook. Mm -hmm. You look sad. Yeah, you do look sad. What's going on? No, I'm doing great. Are you sad? No. Would you tell me if you were sad? Yeah, I totally tell you. You seem sad. Would you choke out Alex Spear if you saw him? No. What would you? you, Would you say texting Alex Spear? Is that what you're doing? It's it's an irrelevant tweet. I don't I don't care about that. Mm. He just reported it mm. for bullying. 
I think it was a great tweet. If you if you think it's so great, why don't you retweet it right now? <laughs> sure. You gonna retweet it right now? Yeah. <laughs> I have the <laughs> notifications on. You have notifications on for Pat? Of course. Pat's how a great ago, follow. How long ago did he tweet it? A couple of days. He doesn't Four days tweet ago. a ton. Four days ago. Four days ago? Mm-hmm. Four days. I wonder how I missed it. So on the 19th. I guess. That would be the Cardinal series. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Tweeted a ton on Twitter. Mm. Holy shit. Still going. Get off your Twitter. You saying you don't yeah, tweet a ton? We're on the 19th. Okay, you're on the 19th. Okay. I'm refreshing on your page. I bet you I bet you he feels bad that you didn't engage with it. I honestly didn't even see it. Mm-hmm. Oh, here it is. There it is. Oh, retweet. Respect. You should you should reply to it and say, "I love this tweet." The second, <laughs> wow. Pat, Start a reply and be like, "I I love this tweet." There's a lot of tweets underneath here about your drinking habits, Pat. <laughs> I'm not saying you have a problem, but this is probably concerning for people who don't listen to the podcast, right? Yeah, we need to change the narrative. I just responded to the tweet saying, I love this tweet, exclamation point. (laughs) I love this tweet. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like you're on the verge of killing yourself. There we go. I'm pretty sure a very nice man. He's super nice. I think I'm upset about it. Yeah, you're not upset about it. So then if you're not upset about this, what are you upset about? You're clearly upset about something. I'm upset about anything. You're Asandra. a bad liar. You're a bad liar. Who are you voting for for the Clark's Ketchup Player of the Week? I'm not moving on to you, to you tell us why you're upset. I'm not upset. It's upsetting me now that you're not telling us why you're upset. <laughs> I'm not upset at all. Anyway, living the life. Mm-hmm. A great podcast. Fun with friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat? Yeah, Todd. What did you... Uh, what's his name? Modongle? Yeah. yeah. We haven't spoken to you since uh, everything played out like it has the last few weeks. And since we're talking about you being sad, I was trying to think of one of the reasons that could attribute oh, to that. Because he won at Belmont? Yes. Yeah, it's, I, 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 I was not that upset about that either. Wow. I did get a tremendous amount of tweets at me about it. And I didn't understand because I didn't realize that Belmont was that day. And I didn't understand why everyone was tweeting me about Mo Donegal. And then I realized he had won. He did win. Yeah. Lots of L's lately. Should have listened to us when we said a bet on him. Hmm. It was your father who gave us that advice, right, Jared? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, sure was. Sure was. Mm Mm-hmm. Jake, what's your vote for Clark's Ketchup Series MVP? I got Vasquez because of the home run. Mm Mm-hmm. Tyler, did you make a vote? 
Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with my Bloom pick. I actually really do like that pick considering the depth. Don't look at me like that. What, what are you looking at me for? What did we start this podcast with? Depth, did we not? Sure. That's where I'm going. I'm giving I'm you just saying, excellent I'm pick. I'm just saying. Dog. I'm just excellent saying. Excellent pick. Thank I'm you. I'm just saying. Managers and executives never received a vote until Pat L came along. So are, are we ruling this a no? If we're ruling this a no, I'm going to go Christian Vasquez. First off, in the title itself, it does not say player. That's, That's a good right. point. Okay. Like, let's just. I'll give it Josh Winkowski. Huge in that game. The two, Francis Cordero, massive game. Game well, Coley, two. Coley voted for Christian Vasquez. Vasquez. So that means he already won anyway. Okay. So, so I'm going to vote for Christian Vasquez too. That's three, that's three votes for Vasquez, one vote for Alex Cora, and one vote for Bloom. I'm proud of it. I, I, you should be, Tyler. We're carrying right now, Pat. Congratulations to Christian Vasquez. Is that his first? Let me look. I can find that out right now. I did see you have a nice interaction with the person who made the graphic for us. I did. Christian Vasquez, this is second all time. Second all time. Uh, first. No, he has one this year. Second of 2022. Uh, all right. Congratulations to Christian Vasquez, Clark's catch uh, series MVP. Uh, freshly. It's food that's fast. It doesn't have to be fast food. Freshly offers quality meals without the hard work. Their meals are designed by nutritionists, cooked by chefs, then delivered fresh. Other meal deliveries need to be prepped and cooked, but Freshly is ready to eat in just three minutes. Uh, Jake had three different Freshly meals during the stream on Tuesday. How were they, Jake? He's doing that thing again. Oh, he's, he's having a Freshly fucking right now. Wow. Jeez, what good timing. I didn't even see that he was doing that. Jake's going to make a freshly meal right now. And they only take three minutes. So he thought I probably wasn't going to notice when I was doing the ad read. Um, he dipped so fast, he'd even mute his mic. Right. No one wants to spend an hour cooking dinner after a rough day at work or an infuriating commute. At the end of a long day, takeout doesn't have to be your only option for an easy dinner. Whether it's for you or your whole family, freshly gives you convenience, flavor, and nutrition. Get delicious, chef made nutrient-packed meals delivered straight to your door no cooking required fresh and never frozen ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes use the freshly website or their app to find meals that fit your lifestyle with plans that work for your dietary needs preferences tastes and family size choose from over 50 nutritionist designed entrees like their classic steak peppercorn multi-serve sides like their masterful mac and cheese or their new line of plant-based meals Skip the grocery shopping and the dirty dishes. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every single week. New meals are added weekly, so you're never stuck eating the same thing over and over. Stop stressing about dinner. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $125 off your first five orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Boston. That is $125 off at Freshly.com slash Boston. And while we're at it, Gosling's rum is back. We all know the power of an MVP. We just picked one. Clark's ketchup MVP. It's Christian Vasquez. They make good teams great. The folks at Gosling's rum know a little something about MVPs. All the most valuable fans and super fans across the world who have made the Gosling's dark and stormy one of the most popular cocktails on the planet. That delicious combo of smooth 
Gosling's Black Seal Rum and Spicy Gosling's Stormy Ginger Beer cannot be beat for a summertime cocktail. Visit goslingsrum.com to get Gosling's product delivered straight to your doorstep and get $15 off your order of Gosling's Rum, Ginger Beer, or Dark and Stormy cans using the promo code DRAFTKINGS. 21 and over only. Please drink responsibly. Um, we don't even have time for a Pat's Picks. Speak, Pat. Pat, you're muted. No, I'm not. I'm just oh, not speaking. <laughs> you were looking down. I made a gesture of how upset I was that I wasn't get to do that today. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Well, next time you're here, Pat's mm-hmm. picks. Top five amendments. <laughs> top five amendments. Uh, and the amendments that Pat does not have on his top five, they get removed. Yes. Top five amendments. Actually creative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's just say you don't pick women's suffrage in your top five. Women will no longer be about, allowed to vote. <clears throat> Guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So it's really the top four because obviously Pat is going to pick uh, prohibition. Yeah. That's going to make the cut. Um, we'll see. Top five amendments. You have to tune in to the August seventh podcast. <laughs> Pat's picks. Top five amendments. The stop and chop look ahead. It is the Red Sox and the Guardians starting this weekend on Friday. Nick Pavetta versus Cal Quantrill. Josh Winkowski draws Shane Bieber, and Rich Hill versus Aaron. Savale. Cal Quantrill having a good year. Doesn't strike anybody out, but he's 4 and 4 with a 377, a 126 whip, and a 5.5 strikeouts per nine. This is his first year as a full time starter after doing half and half last year. Um, the strikeouts per nine, not great. Um, his walks per nine, 2.9, so that's not good either. Um, but he's been consistent. He's thrown 90 to 98 pitches and 11 straight starts. He's completed five innings. In 11 out of 12 starts and pitched into the fifth and all but 12 uh, in all 12 of his starts and completed six innings in nine out of 12 starts. Uh, his worst start of the season came his last time out. Five innings, 10 hits, five earned runs, a walk, four strikeouts, and a homer and an L against the Dodgers. Uh, he's only allowed seven home runs this year, but four of those have come in his last three starts. Um, the, the chase rate, big time with him. He gets swings and misses out of the zone. Uh, the Guardians are 5-7 and seven in his starts this year. Red Sox hitters, lifetime, 300, 340 on base, and 820 OPS. Trevor Story, 4 for 12, a double, a homer. Verdugo, 3 for 7, a 1071 OPS. And Ploiecki also has a home run off of him. Shane Bieber, my close personal friend, Shane Bieber. 3-3, three and three, a 3 ERA, a 1.17 whip, and a 9.7 strikeouts per nine. Uh, he's been great. The FIP. 270. He's been even better than his ERA would suggest. It's the best of his career besides his uh, Cy Young in 2020. Um, The 9.7 strikeouts per nine is actually his lowest since his rookie year, but it's still good. Strikeouts are starting to pile up. His last six starts, 10, 5, 11, 6, 7, 9. Um, He's made 13 starts this year. He's only allowed more than three earned runs one time. It was when uh, the Jays got to him for seven. 
um his uh his whiff rates are out of the fucking planet. Slider, 40% curveball, 39% four seam. Not tremendous. 15%. It's down from 23 last year. The Guardians are nine and four in his starts. The Red Sox actually hit him pretty well. 333. Can't be a huge sample though. Bogart's three for eight. Devers three for eight, two homers. Bogart's actually has a homer and a double. Um, JBJ Homer. So there's some damage there. Um Savale. Yikes. What's that ERA, Jared? 725. 725 with a 147 whip, 9.3 strikeouts per nine, which is weird. Uh, 29 earned runs allowed in 36 innings. That's bad. Uh, the BABIP is 343 with an average exit velocity of 89.6. So that's why his FIP is 440, I guess, because the BABIP. Um, came back from injuries, only had one start since May 20th. Uh, looks pretty good against the Twins. Five innings, five hits, two earned runs, seven strikeouts. Uh, he's allowed six earned runs in three different starts this year. He throws six pitches at least 5% of the time. That's, that's a lot of fucking pitches, Pat. Would you agree that six pitches is too many pitches? If you have six pitches, you don't have a good pitch. Is that right or wrong? That's probably pretty accurate. If you have six pitches, then you don't like... Like you don't have like a 40% chase rate on your fucking change up or your slider or something. The definition of slop. Yeah. And that would be reflected in his 725 ERA. Um, curveball is really good. <clears throat> so he does have a really good pitch. It's the curveball. Uh, batting average against is 111. Whiff rate is 41%. So if you just don't swing at the curveball, everything else you're probably going to crush. Um, oddly enough, Jackie Bradley, the only Red Sox hitter to ever face Savale. Predictions. <clears throat> Patrick, what do you got? Sox take two out of three. Two out of three. Yep. Two out of three. Jake? Pretty obvious sweep this weekend. <laughs> yeah. I can see it. I see the path to the sweep for sure. Um, Tyler. I'll go two out of three. You two get Nick three. Pavetta to start things off. This lineup has swung it pretty well against these guys. Um, I think you're in a good spot. You got a day off between, so your bullpen actually gets a breather. Feels like when this bullpen's rested, things ride pretty well for the Red Sox. I'm also going to go two out of three. I'm going to go two out of three. Uh, I think. Ooh. How good is that bullpen? It's pretty good, right? Cleveland? Yeah. Yes. Like you don't you don't want to you don't want to be trailing going into the 7th. So I think they probably like I I think that they win the fucking Bieber game. You like, think, think the Red Sox win that or the Guardians end up pulling it out? I think the Red Sox win the Bieber game. I think they lose the first and win the next two. And if they win the first, I think that they sweep. Is that crazy? It's not absurd. Because if you get Pavetta to lead it off, but I think also if you lose Pavetta on the first day, then you're in kind of a tough spot, are you not? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I feel... I okay. I feel they'll lose the first and win the next two. Jared, I don't want to worry you, but, but the Guardians have the second best bullpen ERA in baseball. I've got them at 
So you, that's not updated. They're third. Okay, so that's today. Perfect. I like I like where you're at. Uh, Guardians bullpen. It goes Astros, Yankees, Guardians, Rays. Um, but it's a two nine six. Two nine six. Nine seven two strikeouts per nine. A one oh nine whip. It's pretty good. It's not terrible. You don't want to face Classe at the end of the game. No, you don't. Um, it's a two three four this month, so it's been better this month. So, um, all right, two out of three. Jake's got a sweep. Uh, any final thoughts here, Pat? Patrick? Of course, of course. No, I don't have any final thoughts. I think socks. I don't. I think the Guardians are overhyped right now. Bullpen solid, but I think the Red Sox are better. I think there's a two out of three possibility of a sweep. I think that that's the correct take. I think that's the correct take. Jake, you have any uh, Jake's takes? I mean, it just sucks we're not playing tomorrow because when you win, you just want to keep playing. But whatever, we'll play on Friday. <laughs> I love that take. Tyler, you got anything? Really liked your uh, cowboy uniform. Thank you. Thought it fit you well, and I think the best part of it was the belt buckle. Yeah, belt buckle was baller. And I think you and Kevin Millar, underrated duo, need more of that. Yeah, maybe there'll be more of that in the future. We'll maybe we'll talk about it another time. Yeah, we will. Maybe we will. All right, we'll be back after the Guardian series. We'll see you Monday morning. Buenas noches, amigos.